Hey guys, I'm Katie. And I'm Alexis, and this is the Check Your Aesthetic podcast. I really have oh. to work, but I don't. What? <laughs> Ew. Look at this rat tail I have going on in my hair. Good. Y'all, and if you're watching on YouTube, it's <laughs> tragic. That is so oh, ugly. Oh my God. I tried. Yeah, I, I tried to do a ponytail and I just look like a man in this jean jacket with a ponytail. Anyway, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, welcome to the Check Your Aesthetic podcast, guys. How's everyone doing? Yeah, hey. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Welcome. <laughs> do you know what I want to talk about in this week's intro? Dating, um, sh- dating shows. Um, let's say who the episode is because we always do this and then it takes like 10 minutes for us to talk about who it is. You got it, um, girl. So we had Carolyn White from The Social Sipper on. Um, she is a food, well, more like a drink stylist um, and a, I guess you could say food stylist. Um, she is, her Instagram is everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and she has worked with brands like Crate and Barrel, Starbucks, um, Lulu's, just like so many big names. And I think one of the most interesting and impressive facts about her is that in her first year of business, she hit six figures. Um, yes. so she has very impressive, um, and she had a lot of really great things to say. And I think our conversation was really insightful, um, and yeah. I'm very excited for you guys to learn from her, but first let's Wait, talk let to me, Katie about, let, let me add, let me add something. So she is a food oh. style or a drink stylist, but she also, she's a mm-hmm. photographer. So that's like what she does for clients. Yeah. Yeah. So, and she like creates cocktail recipes. So yeah, she's more than just doing like the behind the scenes things. She also, she does yes. photography Sorry, with her husband. I meant to say photography as well. No, I know. Okay, I just like always your, have to just like your dating shows. <laughs> okay. Um, so have you watched Love is Blind? Yes. Okay. See, that's what I just not think. The, we, like, not the most recent about. season though. That's really upsetting. I listen to a lot of podcasts, um, and almost every single person is talking about Love is Blind right now, but mm-hmm. I just like, something has been going on with me recently where like the only way to calm my anxieties in my brain is, mm-hmm. is, watching, dating is watching dating shows. Ru- sorry. Rue's literally licking the carpet. So I was just like checking on that, but like everything's fine. She's just like having a, a snack. Yep. Um, but like the only way to get through my work day and calm my anxiety is watching dating shows. And I don't know what it is about them. And I want us to try to get to the bottom of this because it's an interesting phenomenon of why, like, it's so interesting to watch. And I think it's because it's one of the only things that you can watch that is really real. Like I, the bachelor scripted, I think, but some of them just aren't it's like, I'm not saying the love is real. I'm saying these people are yelling at each other and nobody told them to do it. And it's hilarious. Big asterisk with that, because I think the producers definitely manipulate. Like, it's it's not like the the most, it's not like a realistic, like depiction of what dating is like or what (laughs) that situation would be like at all. But, and I don't, I, I definitely, I know for a fact that they have to redo scenes and stuff and like, rehat like they might have had a, an argument but their one person's mic was turned off so, so they have to redo the argument and, like redo the argument so yes and no but I know what you're talking about it feels much more real than like um especially because I think I think one of the biggest aspects is like the like real housewives like those women eventually I think back when real housewives was starting out they weren't really celebrities so it felt yes. more real yes. but then they become these like mega like everyone yeah. they can't go outside without being recognized whereas these people are like literally Joe Schmo off of the street yeah and they're like one and season on a dating show and one like season on a dating show I think that's why so. I don't like the bachelor anymore because the bachelor makes people famous now whereas like the one right. I'm watching right now is like I don't even know what it's called are you in love are you are you the one or something like that it's an MTV show mm-hmm. I've never heard of these people and I've never heard of this show. I don't know anything about it. These well, are just think, regular people, you know? Well, I think what's also interesting and like definitely is the hit to The Bachelor is that, for example, this season, 
literally actually now that I'm thinking about it I can't remember the guy's name is it Chase is it Carter I don't Col- know Col- um Cole uh, Co- Col- Curtis Colson? I don't know Colson I don't know I don't care um but <laughs> yeah exactly and so with shows like Love is Blind um Too Hot to Handle it's a bunch of guys and a bunch of girls and so there's more option for like conflict there's more option for like people to switch partners and yeah. like whatever whereas and also you're able to find like a villain couple yes. or like you know be like oh this person's right for him we really like this couple but this guy's too good for that girl or yes. like whatever it's there's more yes there's more like going like, on whatever yeah. yeah whereas with the bachelor if you don't like the guy or you don't like the girl then why would you watch agreed yeah and I also think like then when you're talking about bachelor in paradise it's still like you all of these people have become so famous that you know too much about them like I want these people I want to know not a thing about them and I want them to fall in love and then I want to look it up on google and I want it to say that they stayed together for about four like four weeks after this was over and I just think it's so interesting so if you guys have any dating show recommendations I've watched most of the like big ones my favorite is too hard to handle it is hilarious um but if y'all have any recommendations let me know because I I do have to say though I I I do have to say though because you said bachelor in paradise I do think that that theory besides the like famous aspect I do think that that theory holds true with bachelor versus, versus bachelor in paradise because i think bachelor yeah in paradise well it's more it's definitely more, more interesting it's way more yeah. interesting than the bachelor so also i, I think, think the, uh, i've i've heard that a lot of people listen or watch the bachelor in or they watch the bachelor just so that they know who the people yeah. are in bachelor in paradise in my opinion like the reason i stopped watching the bachelor is because it is so unrealistic to me that you would be able to build a serious relationship off of somebody who was dating like 20 other women at the same time as you like that's just not the way that the world works in my opinion and most of in my experience I might be wrong because I don't keep up with the bachelor but I think most of the successful couples have come from paradise and not from the bachelor or bachelorette yeah I'd say paradise is more so but also I'm laughing that you said that because then instead of a show where you are dating multiple people you want to watch a show where they're talking through a wall and have never seen each other until they get engaged. <laughs> okay, but in, and I mean, of course, every dating show you're you're talking or dating multiple people. But the idea of like a line of women all trying to date this one man—it's right. just no, like because yeah. you know, whenever you're able to match up, of course, you're going to have a lot of people that you're interested in. You're going to want to talk to this and that, whatever. But like, mm-hmm. my biggest problem one with the Bachelor—it's like always been girl, that all these yeah. girls come in or all these boys come in and they're like gung ho. I'm like, there is no way all of you are actually interested in this person. There's no way. Actually, I well, I haven't been watching this season, but I heard we don't that- know his name. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah <laughs> um I heard that a few girls left because they weren't interested I okay, might be well, wrong good for them because but... that is just unrealistic like first of all yeah. the boy this season in my opinion is not even that cute and I don't know his name and I think it's Colson but I don't think that's true but it also might be um so like please take our bachelor knowledge with a grain of salt we're not even watching <laughs> but um I just yeah I just think it's so unrealistic even so the one that I'm watching right now called our Clayton Oh, there we go. Sorry, Colson. <laughs> the show that I'm Sorry, watching Chris. right now. <laughs> Sorry, Corey. <laughs> the, one, the one I'm watching right now called like, are you the one or something like that? Mm-hmm. They, so a matchmaker matches up these people and they have their perfect match and each like they win a million dollars. If by the end they match every person up with their perfect match, like they pair, they pair off in their perfect matches that like people submit mm-hmm. like what their perfect match would be. And then the matchmakers match them up right. and they have 10 weeks. So 10 chances to match up, but see, that makes sense to me. You they've engineered, they've chosen people who are supposed to be a good match with you. Does it mean you're going to fall in love? No, but the chances are much higher than right. if you one man, <laughs> yeah. one man, you tell me you're all right. going to like him. Hmm. Right. Yeah. Hmm. I don't Definitely. think so. I just don't think so. Anyway, that's my spiel. Please recommend more dating shows to me. Um, they are, I think they also all take place. All the group ones take place in like tropical places during the summer. So it's good to watch during the winter whenever you're like, I don't want to be here anymore. Depressed. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, 
I guess we should we should go ahead and get into the episode after yeah after like having literally no relation to business or creativity or literally anything that these people have clicked on this for so I love it okay well let's let's get into our chat with Carolyn and we hope that you guys enjoy hi Carolyn thank you so much for coming on the podcast today thanks I am so excited to be here and thank you guys both for having me of course course. we're we're very excited your page is honestly like I I have actually I don't know what this is such a tangent but I don't know what's going on but for some reason I can't have alcohol anymore like for some reason I think I'm like allergic to her or something but it's making me it's giving me like FOMO that every time Aww. I look at your page, it makes me sad that I can't have cocktails. I'm sorry. Make, make mocktails, Alexis. You can make a mocktail. Yeah, I should do. I should do mocktails. Yeah, I do love a good Shirley Temple. Yeah, but... I sh- I shared a few in January, and I do have some more mocktails planned um, as well. So hopefully you can still follow along. And... <laughs> <laughs> but, but oh, starting off strong, she's like, your page makes me sad. Anyway. I can't even look at your page. <laughs> no, but... For everyone who's listening and you're like, okay, but what is your page? Like, what are we talking about? Um, Carolyn, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, tell everybody about the social sipper, all that good stuff. Yeah. So I am Carolyn Pasquale White. I am the founder of the social sipper and there are two parts of the social sipper. The first is I inspire people to make fresh and simple cocktails at home and just kind of upgrade your cocktail at home experience. Um, And then the second part is all about food and drink photography and video. So um, we work with food and drink brands and creators to upgrade their content with both education, mentorship, and then straight up content creation for brands as well. So there's a few different parts, but yeah, lots of cocktails. <laughs> Hopefully <laughs> um, the page makes you thirsty is the yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah. Yeah. accomplished. Yeah. Um, so how did you get started with that? Um, when did you start like working on the social sippers specifically? Yeah. So Back in 2018, I was working as a food stylist. So that's kind of my background. Um, So I think everyone kind of knows what a food stylist is, but basically Mm -hmm. in production, if you're like on a commercial shoot or a photo shoot, um, it's the team or the person, the team of people who are in charge of making sure that everything connected with your food or drink looks like absolutely perfect. So Mm -hmm. that was... um, my background. And that's, it's like a contract freelancer kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. with freelance work, it could be very like a month of work Mm -hmm. that you're like, I never slept at home because I was in LA and I live in San Diego. So it's like a long commute. Um, and then a month of nothing. So that was kind of where I was. And at that time on the side, just kind of to fill my time, make ends meet, I was also teaching yoga and I had started like a foodie Instagram account. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd had that for a few years at that time. And it just like, I wasn't seeing traction. And I had, I think 2018, I had a paid, like my first paid thing on that account. And I remember like $75 going into my account and I was excited. And then I was like, wait, I spent like $40 on ingredients and props. (laughs) And like, I could get paid more working at McDonald's for all the hours. (laughs) Um, So that was kind of the shift. I was like, all right, this is a very expensive hobby. This is not like, I hoped that it could turn into something. But at that point I was like, this isn't, this is, this is a hobby and it's costing me more time and more money. So um, that is when I was like, you know what, I want to do something different. And that's when I started the social sipper in 2018. Um, and I was like, I'm going to do this differently. Um, and I pretty much did the opposite of what I had done on my foodie Instagram account and saw really qu- quick traction um, mm-hmm. just from focusing on the right things. So that kind of, and then everything else kind of evolved. Like I didn't know exactly what it was going to look like when I started, but it's kind Mm -hmm. of evolved into what it is today. Yeah. So sort of going off of that, did you, I guess, intend to start it as a business or were you just kind of like, I, you know, want to keep doing this on the side? Was it a side hustle? Kind of how, 
what, what did it look like for you at the beginning? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a combination of both. I feel like at that time, cause I had already like done the hours of wasting my time on social media and nothing coming from it. I was like, I'm going mm -hmm. to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. And my goal is for something to come from it. Um, yeah but I didn't know exactly what it would look like. So yeah. I was like strategic with my content and what I was posting and what I was doing, but I wasn't like building it full on as a business right away, if that makes sense. And then I kind right. of allowed it to evolve from there. Yeah. Right. So what made you decide, I guess, first with food and then with drinks, what kind of, um, brought you that passion for like niching down? Mm -hmm. So food, I mean, obviously food is a big part of everyone's life, yeah. <laughs> right? but I grew up in the restaurant industry. So I was mm -hmm. like definitely in the food business early. And then I feel like I have the kind of family that food is like everything. Like mm -hmm. all our events are very surround, like it's, it all, it's all around the food yeah. and like we're always um like kind of hanging out with in the kitchen mm -hmm. like every all of like close connection for me was built around food so that's kind of yeah. where my love for food started and then um I got into food styling but for drinks um so at the time when you're working as a food stylist or working just like really closely with food. I'm sure this happens to chefs a lot too. It's almost like you, if you look at food for so long, you're like, I don't want to look at it. Nauseated. <laughs> you're like, I can't. Yeah. 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 So um, when I started the social sipper, cocktails is kind of like a different thing then. So I was mm -hmm. like, I can still have the creativity. It's still like in the category of food. I'm using food ingredients, um, but it doesn't feel like work to me as much. And yeah. like, I enjoy it. Like it's your like commute communal thing that you do with your friends when you're mm -hmm. hanging out or like on a date. Um, so that's kind of where the cocktails came, came into play. I love that. Do you, I have to know, do you get like, like, do you drink the cocktails you make after? Or are you like, like you are with food where you're like, no. So I actually don't feel the same way about cock. I don't feel the same way about cocktails, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, like, so we have now got it down to like, we're batching, of course, a lot mm -hmm. of, a lot of shooting on one day. So can't be drinking all of the cocktails. <laughs> you like wasted right. by the end of the day. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it could work, but I'd probably be sleeping. So, yeah. Yeah. so what we, um, and my husband and I work together shooting cocktails at home. So usually we'll try to plan, like, if we really want to drink one, um, we're like, let's shoot that at the end of the day. Yeah. So when we're right. cleaning up, we can try to uh, drink that cocktail. But, mm -hmm. um, throughout the day we'll like taste all the cocktails of course as we're creating recipes yeah. and right. modify ingredients and things like that I love mm -hmm. that um so I guess sort of going away from the um that side of your business and then more into the client side of your business um we have a lot of listeners who may be early in their businesses or kind of just starting out and I know one of the most daunting things early in your career is find finding clients or brands that want to work with you so how did you kind of set your business up in a way that made you attractive to brands like you said like you went into the social center being like I'm going to do this differently kind of what were those things that you think made the difference for you yeah Sorry, one second. <laughs> I need to like pop and take a sip of water. You're good. <laughs> okay. Okay. So the first one is definitely choosing like a very specific niche that you feel you could stand out in. Mm -hmm. um, and that kind of has to do with the time too. So mm -hmm. like at the time that I was entering at 2018, it was kind of like late to the game and like, you'll always feel late to the game kind of. Um, right. So if I were to do something as general as food, which is the mistake I've made before, like it would be very hard to stand out. There was already so many food bloggers and people that are really established and have mm -hmm. giant following and like trying to compete against that is going to be a lot harder than picking a niche that you can like stand out within the beginning. So yeah. kind of timing wise at that time, like now there's a lot more cocktail accounts, but timing at that time, there weren't as many and they all kind of look the same way. So, mm -hmm. um, my advice would be like choosing something like that. Um, 
like looking at what are those things now that are kind of gaining traction. Um, maybe they're, they, they're going to get bigger in the next few years, mm -hmm. but they aren't just yet. And then like style wise, um, the second piece of this was kind of like knowing your dream brands, dream clients. And this is like over any kind of like creative service that you want to offer anything else, knowing them before you start out is going to be really helpful Absolutely. because yeah. if you create this brand, that's like very targeted towards what you like. And then you're like, well, I like like pink and pops of color, but I want to work like as a gym social media manager, like mm -hmm. <laughs> it's not going to be aligned. So what I did was, um, chose like the types of brands that I wanted to work with first and looked at their style. I'm yeah. like, okay, how can I fit into this? Mm -hmm. Um, and luckily that aligned with, which makes sense. Cause they're brands that I like, so yeah. it aligns style wise, but, um, a lot of people make the mistake, I think of like choosing like, Ooh, I'm for photography, for instance, and cocktails, like one of the popular styles is like this very dark and moody style, mm -hmm. but it's so specific that it might be harder to work with brands unless it's like a brand that has a, a style that's very similar. similar to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it kind of boxes you in a little. So if you know those brands or clients up front, you could be a little bit more strategic, like with what you're saying, what you're doing, what your aesthetic looks like. Mm -hmm. So that was right. really helpful for me as well. I feel right, like definitely. that's essentially like competitor analysis, like you do when you're starting like a business, but it's kind of more for, I guess, client, client analysis. Yeah, analysis. yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's very good advice. Um, and some, I will be using myself anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So we know that you grew your business to over six figures in the first year, which like great job. Um, yeah. <laughs> and you worked with a ton of amazing brands, um, all while having less than 10,000 followers on Instagram, which I think numbers are something that we've talked about a lot on our podcast and something that can hold people back a lot. I think finally people are starting to realize that they don't matter as much. It's not the most important metric. Yeah. Absolutely not. Um, but what is your take or your experience on the importance or the lack of importance of follow of your follower count when you're finding clients? Mm -hmm. I think that, well, what I found is when you're focused on the followers, you're kind of like chasing people and trying yeah. to get them. <laughs> like, um, I almost think of it, like if you're having a party and instead of paying attention, like, let's say you have 10 people over, mm -hmm. imagine if instead of paying attention to those 10 people, you're like running on the street, inviting people to your party, <laughs> yeah. like your party's going to suck. Yeah. <laughs> like, because you have people there, there's 10 people, even if it's only 10 people, like they are, like, you don't know what their deal is. They might be interested. And if you're not paying attention, if you're paying attention to chasing other people, you're not paying attention to the people that you already have. So um, I'm all about like, let me create the best experience for the people that are here. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. naturally, like other people are going to hear about the party and they'll just start mm -hmm. trickling totally. in. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, I kind of think of it as the same way, like with your followers, it's the same thing, like create a great experience, create valuable content, mm -hmm. help, um, help those people and create connections with them. And the followers more naturally will come kind along. of just come. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, right. And then one of the things that I've seen like so often and especially like a lot of our students coming in have this idea kind of like what you said that if like if you don't have followers like your worth your work isn't worth yeah. anything mm -hmm. <laughs> and so what happens um, for so many content creators um, influencers or bloggers is like you're going to get approached with a lot of gifts. Like and people are like, hey, can you do a photo shoot for a gift? And the mistake that people make is think like, well, I can't because I only have like 500 followers. And yeah, I guess I shouldn't get paid for my work. Right. Or yeah. like they say, okay, so I have 500 followers, so I'll charge $50. And I made like this, these kinds of mistakes before when mm -hmm. I realized like the worth of your your work, what you create has nothing to do with your follower number. Absolutely. Um, and so if you focus on adding to the value, creating more valuable 
work, a better product, like it doesn't matter how many followers you have. And then the second piece of that is when you nurture the, like focus on the relationships. Like if I, like my first brand partnerships were still with a social sipper. Like I didn't know how to charge. So I was like, I don't know, $125 or something. But I treated every single one of those partnerships. I'm like, well, I'm going to treat this like a six figure photo shoot. Like I'm going to get over the limit. I'm going to do my best work. And all of those relationships. And this was the biggest piece of shift, like getting to those six figures in the first year like $125 partnership that I had in that first year turned to a $30,000 client relationship the next year. Yeah. Because you put so that, much work in. Yeah, and, yeah. put work in mm-hmm. and then they're like, oh, well, we want to work with you again, maybe in a different capacity. Yeah. And all of a sudden, like nurturing that is much a bigger deal right. than chasing followers all day long. Yeah, definitely. I feel like that's, it's a really good lesson there because I think something that a lot of people worry about is, okay, so I charged this person, let's just say 125 for something that took you three hours at the beginning. Nobody is like, they're probably thinking like, wow, we really got a deal here. Like, it's not like you're going to come back and be like, Hey, I'm actually charging more now because I was undercharging. And they're going to be like, Oh, never mind. There's a lot of potential for them to still continue to work with you. Even as your prices increase, it doesn't mean that those people are automatically knows because you charged them less before. So, yeah, that's such a great point. And I haven't thought about it a lot, but I have like a lot of the clients that I started with, I, I have done exactly that, which is mm-hmm. like, um, as I've increased my skill, as we focus on adding additional platforms and creating value for our clients in different ways, like we have increased the prices and being able to talk about it and communicate that, like, this is why I'm value, valuable to work with. Mm-hmm. Like, right. This is why we're different than someone else that you're going to work with. It doesn't matter if they have triple the following. Like, you're going right. to get better work when you work know with your us. Worth and, and being able to, like, yeah. yeah, put that out in your in your email, even though you might not feel like it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> just speak, like, just speak, being being there. <laughs> yes. yes, definitely. Um, so some of the brands that we have been referencing um, that you've worked with are Crate and Barrel, Lulu's, Bubbly, and CNH Sugar, which those are such huge names. Um, how did you get like the opportunity to work with those companies? Did they reach out to you? Did re- you reach out to them? What was that process kind of like? Most of the companies that I've worked with, um, they have, they reached out Mm -hmm. to us. And I think it is like that thing that we, that we kind of just talked about, which is like, um, attracting the right types of brands. Mm -hmm. But, um, I believe that why I'm a valuable partner to brands like that is because I, I know my audience so well. Mm -hmm. So, um, like I said, my niche is cocktails, but it, it goes like a lot more specific mm-hmm. than that for me. So in my mind, like there's a lot of levels of like cocktail people. I'm, I've never been a professional bartender. Like mm-hmm. I'm not mixologisty. I don't know right. all the crazy liqueurs. Um, yeah. But what I know is that like a lot of the people that like a lot of my girlfriends and people like me want to like have you know, a couple of their favorite bottles at home and make cocktails with things that they can find at the yeah. grocery store. Right. Mm-hmm. Not Accessible. Hard. Yeah. Like not 10 different bottles of crazy things. Like I love that. Right. I go to a cocktail bar and exactly. try that cocktail. Yeah. You can make it for me, but I'm not going <laughs> to make it. Yeah. yeah. So, um, getting so clear on that. And then because like all my content is for that person, like I don't, I don't go and create the 10, the 10 bottle cocktail because I'm mm-hmm. like, my girl, my girl doesn't do that. <laughs> She's not doing so that. Let's like, <laughs> yeah. not have time so for then, that. Yeah, exactly. So then when brands like feel aligned with that, they're like, oh, we know that's a type of person that we have as a customer. Yeah. Like when Crate and Barrel is like, we want someone to create cocktails for us and we want them to be aligned with, yeah, like they care about presentation, but yeah, it's not like crazy obscure ingredients um it's very aligned so kind of creating I feel like I in doing this and again if this like came it didn't just all happen right away kind Mm -hmm. of like um slowly evolved Evolved. Mm -hmm. but um like just being aligned in that way I feel like made me stand out to brands like 
larger brands like that. Yeah. And I feel like when you're doing that, obviously, like you said, there's some brands that you're not going to be their vibe. There's some brands that are those obscure cocktail, you know, syrups and whatever. And like, they're not going to be reaching out to you, but you align yourself with these people who, like you said, you understand, but it also seems like that's you as well. So the brands are working with somebody who understands them, who understands their target. And it kind of like takes out some of the work for them because they don't have to sit there and be like, what kind of cocktail does a mom who's buying furniture for her house from Crate and Barrel want to drink? You know, that's on you and they don't have to worry about it. Um, So I think that's, it's like your unique value proposition. Wow. It's like I went to school for marketing. (laughs) Um, I think it also, I think it also like goes back to just like service providers in general, like photographers, web designers, graphic designers, that it is, I think you are a very good example of how important and beneficial it is to niche down. Um, And I think a lot of like service providers that start out are concerned that niching down closes themselves off to a bunch of different markets. But I think in reality, it's, it's attracting, it's basically allowing your ideal consumer or client to come to you rather than you having to go out and reach out for everyone. Cause you can't, you can't be a graphic designer and appeal to literally every brand. Mm-hmm. So having that style. And like you said, I really like how you have the had that plan of going through to each client and that you would like to ideally work with and kind of going from there. I really like that idea. Um, And I think something that uh, when I was doing graphic design stuff, that that's almost the idea of you create, when you're creating your portfolio and you haven't done any work yet, you think of of the client that you want and you even can make up a fake client, but you know exactly the type of client you work with. So then why are you going later and trying to appeal to everyone? So yeah, I think that's really great advice. Yeah, I think that's such a great point too. And just being clear on that uh, up front. And then one thing about it too is like what seems to happen is even if you start really specific, somehow sometimes like what happened for us is we're like, okay, we attracted brands that were like liquor brands, of course, Mm -hmm. Um, but then work after working with us and us over delivering they're like oh well we also have like five food brands mm-hmm. um that mm-hmm. would love for you to shoot for as well um so and i i imagine for any service provider like that can happen as well that it's like easier to ex- to expand a little bit once right. you kind of attracted people and are working with them um and like you don't it doesn't really have to box you in. Like you can yeah, potentially totally. grow later. Cause yeah, I agree that it is like, I feel like that's a block for a lot of people. They're like, mm-hmm. no, I yeah. can't, <laughs> I yeah. can't get really specific. It's going to like, it's going to make clients not want to work with me. Um, but right. I also, yeah, I think like for a graphic designer that has a specific style, like for, I'm not a graphic designer, but if I were going to pick a graphic designer for myself, cause I don't know enough about it to be able to like, check out a very diverse portfolio I'd want to pick the one that has like the exact style that I like and be like I already want to work with you because this is a style that I want and that's Mm -hmm. what you do yeah and I'm also not going to have to then that way the client doesn't have to like explicitly explain everything they want and the style that they want because you already know looking at their page I I can trust you that you're going to provide me with what I want exactly and I feel like another thing we've talked about on the podcast before with I don't remember who it was. So if you're listening, I hope you remember because I don't. Um, But we were talking about how the people that work at these big companies are just like regular people and you never know who knows who. So somebody who works for Crate and Barrel might be best friends with somebody who works for Bubbly. And then, you know, you just never know like who knows who um, and how like people are going to discover you through that. And that's, I feel like another reason that it's so important to give everybody the best ever experience because it can lead to connections within that or connections outside of that company. Um, but obviously working with such large brands can be intimidating. I'm sure the first time one reached out to you, you were like, what? (laughs) Um, so what systems did you slash do you now have in place to make sure that the process goes smoothly when working with like such big companies? Mm -hmm. So there are now I have like a lot of systems in place. I'm like a systems, I'm a to-do list calendar Mm -hmm. (laughs) spreadsheet Mm -hmm. type of person, um, which I know a lot of, um, like 
I feel like there's creatives that are totally that too, or like not at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, um, so, well, first is team. I don't like, I'm not doing it all alone. So yeah. I, as, mm-hmm. as I've needed help, like, or as I felt like I've gotten overwhelmed, I've added people like in small capacities to help me with different things. Also, yeah. I work with my husband all the time. Um, so team is one thing that um, helps so I can focus on the parts of working with the brand that I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I use a project, like project management software is yeah. like everything is on my, I use ClickUp, um, but I have everything on there Mm -hmm. so like once I start a new project like we just have a template and then all the to-dos pop up Mm -hmm. like so I don't have to keep it we don't have to keep it in our mind so that is one thing that like just kind of brings us through each stage of working with a brand Um, and whether you're working alone or with like a team of people there's these things that are happening every time you work with a client that if you just pay attention to them, write them down, um, that you do the same way or slightly modify each time. Um, it's really helpful to have, um, even when like at no matter what stage you're in. And then yeah. the other thing that I found is that having like a place for all of the information. So we use like a pre-shoot planning document that mm-hmm you could end up with like a email chain of 200 emails <laughs> planning something. And if you're trying right. to look through that email chain, it's not fun. So like making sure you have this place that you could fill out all this information. So I have like all the everything. Yeah. All the questions that I would ask to a brand, because there's going to be different, like in any creative field. And I feel like there's going to be people that have a brief, know exactly what they want, totally. um, yep. give you all the information. And then there's going to be people like, I don't know, just yeah. do what you do. And yeah. you have to like collect different information from both of those types of people or like sort through the information that you're given. Um, mm-hmm. And then there's always like a lot of extra questions. So by having those questions, like all in one place, <laughs> um, it makes you remember like, oh, I, I have to remember to ask this. Um, mm-hmm. So kind of like organize that process. Cause the worst is like, if it's the day we're shooting for a brand and then I'm like, wait, I, I didn't ask like this very important question. Yeah, and then you can't do what right you're, now. yeah. You're just, and you're you like, well, yeah. And then everything's set up. Yeah. And I love what you said about um, paying attention to the things that are slightly the same um, with each client. Cause I think that is a great way because when you start out, sometimes you just don't know what's, what those things are going to be, especially if you've never really worked in the area that you're working in. Of course, you probably had a little bit of background knowledge being a food stylist. There were things that you knew that were important to be considered and from creating your own content as well. But I feel like it's important to pay attention to those things because then it makes your life easier because you're one, not wasting time doing it every client, but two, you're not wasting time streamlining things that like maybe can't be streamlined because there's Mm -hmm. some things that just can't. So that's my thoughts on, on that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) but yeah, I, I'm probably the least organized person ever, but I'm actually like, I'm very timely, but I'm very unorganized. Like everything will always get done. She has her shit together, but it's a little bit. Yeah. Everything will always get done, but like, I don't have I tried to become a Google calendar girl and I made like all the different tags and all the different things. And I have not added one thing to my Google calendar. I don't know. I and just, then on yeah. the other hand, on the other hand, I have my plan. I would move it, but I have my, all of my highlighters here, but I am very much a planner girl and very, I, if I'm not organized, I am not functioning. So, I mean, yeah. like I definitely forget things, but I just like, don't, my thing is it's all going to be the same if I write it down or if I don't. So. I should probably get better about that, but, um, okay. So to kind of wrap up all of the advice, um, what is, I guess, if you could only give one piece of advice, if everybody's been tuning this entire podcast out and they're like, oh, maybe I should listen now. Um, what is one piece of advice you would give to a service provider in general, who's kind of just starting out and working to kind of legitimize their business and start to reach those clients? Okay. So I have a lot, but I think the number one for me is especially when you're starting out, recognize like your special sauce, like the thing Mm -hmm. that makes you unique. Um, 
And the funny part is usually it's like the hardest thing to recognize in yourself because like, it's usually easy or natural to you or something Mm -hmm. that you just never think about. Um, but like, just for an example, it could be like, if you speak Spanish, like you could lean and you, you can lean into like, and you're a social media manager, you could like lean into that. And yeah. like, if you're bilingual, then you can work with companies that are bilingual. So you yeah. can kind of make your content targeted towards that or, right. and I still try to do this. There's like things that I think about that I didn't even think about before. Like recently I was like, so we live in San Diego, which is sunny all year round. So it's February mm-hmm. now um, and we're shooting on the beach uh, on Thursday. Yeah. So I'm like, that's something like special brands can like that where it's snowing can pay us to shoot each and get that all year round. Like that makes us valuable. So I fully like ignored that when I was starting out and didn't even think about like, Oh, you're a food stylist. So there's like, gives you some special, like I knew that I can make food look pretty, but yeah, I ignored some other parts of it and tried to do what other food bloggers were doing. Um, so that's my biggest advice is like, find your special sauce, find your thing. Um, the thing that your friends ask you about, like, it's usually going to be something like a little bit weird and make that like, that you might not have ever thought of before and like make that part of what you do because that's, what's going to make you stand out. And that's how you're going to attract clients. Um, and it's just like, I feel like it's a game changer and too many people ignore it or skip it or don't recognize like what's awesome about them. Yeah. And I like what you mentioned about like saying for you mentioning living in San Diego, that's not necessarily something that you went to school for studied, like you hone the skill, (laughs) like that's just a happens to be where you live, but recognizing things like that, that's why I think you said it can be really hard. Um, but like me and, and you, if like, if you were trying to work with brands who wanted to shoot in the snow, it would not work. But Alexis, you got all, you got all kinds oh, of stuff. I got, I got we, <laughs> we have none. So I feel like that's yeah. something that people just like, wouldn't think about like at all until you really look at like the things around you and realize, I guess, what's unique about your situation as well as yourself. Yeah, it's so true. I, yeah, I especially like that you brought up the, like, it doesn't have to be like an actual expertise or like, mm-hmm. yeah, something that you're trained in or licensed in or went to school for. Like it can, those are definitely important as well, but it can literally be anything about you yeah. that um, can like uniquely make your business stand out. Yeah. And I feel like something I've seen a lot, um, honestly, recently, I don't know why I've been looking at a lot of service providers recently, but like say that you're a social media manager, but you're also willing to model in content you take for brands, then they don't have to worry about that. Or like, you're willing to find them or you, you you have a lot of connections or something like that. Like things like that too. I was thinking (laughs) the reason I said that is I was thinking like, what if you have just really nice hands, (laughs) you can put put your hands in all of your content for them. So they don't have to hire a hand model. Um, anyway, (laughs) I don't know, really. I was thinking cocktails and I was like, yeah, that's it. You, so that your niche so can be that your though. hands are cute. You know? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's kind of what brands are looking for at, at times <laughs> if they need a hand in, the, in there. Honestly. Um, okay. Well, that is all of our business related questions. It is now time for random questions, which are of course very fun. Um, so the first one is what is your favorite cocktail? And Carolyn, you can start off. I'm sure you have about a thousand options in your brain. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to go with like my go-to to order mm-hmm. at the moment, mm-hmm. which is a Paloma. Like I'm a Love tequila those. person and I just feel like that's a good safe, no matter where you go. Like yeah, Paloma is probably going to be, gonna be yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's a good one. Alexis, you want to go? Um, mine, I'm going to say, because this is applicable for mocktail or cocktail, I like a dirty Shirley, just a Shirley Temple with vodka in it. Um, vodka is definitely, I know vodka is not for everyone, but I'm definitely a vodka girl. So I feel like vodka is more widely drank than like other ones. Really? Though. Whenever I get told, whenever I say that, everyone's like, ew, vodka. So I feel like vodka's in most things. Like, I don't, I mean, maybe not, but 
I don't know. I mean, I think vodka's gross, but I also, I personally, like when I hear vodka, it reminds me of like, whenever you went to the gas station in college and got like crappy vodka and just like poured it in like <laughs> yeah. the lemonade from the, yeah. you know, the store at school and like it tasted right. heinous when I, back yeah. when I thought I was a mixologist mixing strawberry, uh, Minute Maid lemonade with, uh, gas station vodka, vodka. but anyway. Um, oh, I also, I also do like Bailey's, um, in Christmas time. Um, yeah. You got weird taste girl. That's you. like a Vermont thing though. Yeah. But I feel like that's such a funny thing to say is your favorite. You're just so silly. You're so silly. Anyway, um, <laughs> I have various favorites, but the what I'll always order if it's available is margarita. Just like in general, love margarita. I love a spicy margarita. I think that they are just so good. And I also like tequila. Um, but during the summer, I do love an Aperol spritz or anything of that sort of nature. I love like a citrusy thing, but I don't like anything too sweet. So that's what I like about an Aperol spritz. And it's pretty easy. I mean, obviously Aperol is like, you have to have that to make it, but it's pretty easy to make once you do. So that would be mine. Um, okay. (laughs) They're so good. And they're just like easy. Like I got Aperol a couple of years, not a couple of years ago. I'm literally 23. Um, but I got Aperol, I think for a trip last year. And once you have it, all you got to do is pour like Prosecco in it. It's very funny that you say that because I think literally today I sent you a TikTok that you was did? Like <laughs> shitting on <laughs> what cocktail you get. And one said Aperol spritz and it said like who you are based on what cocktail. It you was order. accurate. And it, and it was so me. accurate. It was yeah. um, been to Italy once and won't shut up about it. Tick. Um, <laughs> um, uh, wears all neutrals and has like neutral decorations. Tick. <laughs> Um, and has an aesthetic Instagram feed tick. So there yeah. you go. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it's obviously a pretty drink, but I actually think it tastes good. And of course there's, no, like, yeah, I'm not, yeah, I'm not saying either. now the best cocktail I've ever had was one that I had in Nashville last weekend at white limousine. They have really good cocktails and I don't know what it was and I don't remember what it was. So I can't tell y'all any details, but it was the best cocktail I've ever had. I think it had gin in it. I feel like good cocktails often have gin in them. I don't know what it is about it. I guess it's just like neutrally tasting. One of the best cocktails I've ever had was downtown in Burlington where I live. And um, that was when I first realized that I think I'm allergic to alcohol because my whole face swelled up. And yeah, so really sad moment for me. But I love it. Okay. We just derailed the cocktail conversation. Um, Okay. Next and last question is what do you usually wear on an airplane? Carolyn, we kind of stalked you and obviously you travel a lot for various yeah. things, but what's your airplane uniform? My air, I, it's funny. Cause I feel like people do have a uniform. Yeah. Like, totally. <laughs> definitely have an airplane uniform and I do definitely have an airplane uniform. Um, so I always usually wear like a jumpsuit. That's kind of like a cotton type of material mm-hmm. on an airplane because it's like, kind of like the same thing as wearing yoga pants, but it looks yeah. like a little bit better. So I have this like, um, jumpsuit from Amazon. It was probably like $20 or something. It's black and like a t-shirt material, but I always get complimented on it when I travel in it. Yeah, It's like the perfect airplane outfit. And then you just throw a jean jacket and you like, kind of look cute, like, like put more together put together sort of. for traveling. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that. my, that's my look. I've seen TikToks recently and in the past about like people a long time, not necessarily our parents' generation, but people used to dress up to fly. But then my mom still like, she, she will wear like makeup to fly. And I'm like, I would have 400 zits and be in a horrible mood if I wore makeup to fly personally. But I just think it's interesting how that's like changed because mm-hmm. I, you know, people don't necessarily dress up. I think people give the semblance of dressing up. Like you said, like you just try, yeah, you know, like put together, you don't. Yeah. But like small. comfort, comfort is key. Alexis, do you want to go? I feel like um, yeah. This is very dependent on the weather for me. Um, I've, I am one going to Missouri in a month and then I also am planning my honeymoon, which will be in a year to Switzerland and Italy. So I have both of those flights, flight outfits on my mind. Um, but next month, I think I'm going to wear, because it'll be cold 
when we get there. So I think mm -hmm. I'm gonna wear sneakers and leggings and then probably, I think I'll wear a long sleeve top, but then have like a sweatshirt that I can tie around my waist because mm -hmm. that can be like a blanket for me basically in the plane. But then also I can wear it when we touch down, touch down. Cause I really don't want to wear a jacket. I was thinking about this this morning. Like I, my jacket is huge and I don't, mm -hmm. I just don't want to have to like bring this like puffer jacket. that's like this big, um, on a plane, but yeah, that's pretty much it. Katie. I like to wear definitely a jacket, like mostly because I overpack for everything. So then you're saving room in your suitcase. If you wear mm -hmm. your jacket instead of having to, mm -hmm. um, you know, pack it. Putting, yeah. But I think the most important thing, I don't necessarily have like a quote, like an exact uniform, quote unquote, but um, layering just of any sort, because yeah. it's cold in the airport and then it's hot in the airport because you're walking around and then it's really cold on the plane. And then maybe it's hot. And then maybe you get off the plane. Touch, well, you touch ground and then it becomes hot when everyone's And like maybe you're, and maybe standing. it's, yeah, it's snowing where you came from. And then it's like, you're going to Florida. So yeah, you really just have to like try your best with that one. Um, but that, that's why I think layering is the best. So yes. after all of that, everyone's like, okay. Everyone's like, I really <laughs> all of y'all have the same answer for real. Um, <laughs> anyway, Carolyn, do you want to go ahead and tell everybody where they can find you on social media or your website and all that good stuff? Yeah. Um, so I am the social sipper on everything. So you can, well, everything that I, everything that I have, um, <laughs> I don't have TikTok really yet, but we're working on getting that started. Soon. Exciting. So maybe by the time it's released, we'll see. I'll probably suck at it, but, um, so the social sipper everywhere, um, the social sipper.com for cocktail recipes, um, and then social sipper studio.com. If you are interested in upgrading your photography, we have like, that's where we release our free trainings. We have some free things and you can see some more of our work that uh, website is actually um, getting redesigned right now. So hopefully it'll be fresh and new soon, but um, yeah, that's where you can find me. Amazing. Well, thank you. Alexis, did you have something to say? I just said awesome, but also thank you so much for coming on. Oh yes. Podcast. Thank you so much. We appreciate it. The zoom <laughs> cut out. And so it sounded like you said some, I was like, I said, awesome. <laughs> I've been y'all already know if you listen to the podcast that I get insecure that I talk too much so I hope I didn't talk too much today anyway thank you guys for listening be sure to leave us a rating and review on wherever you listen to your podcasts and subscribe to keep up with our weekly episodes and then follow us on tiktok at check your aesthetic and over on instagram at check your aesthetic podcasts and our personal accounts which are katie creative co alexis adams aldrich and the social sipper and we will talk to you next week bye guys bye bye